I was that devastated and kicked in the gut by this diagnosis. So I just want to say this for other parents that might be listening, that when you get this diagnosis, it can be really tough. I did not wake up the next morning and go, okay, I'm going to be the celebrity advocate. I woke up crying. So um, I say it's important because I think a lot of people think that that's the way it went, but it, it didn't. So what I would say was that, you know, you can never let anybody set any limits on your child. Want to truly be the best parent you can be and help your child thrive after their autism diagnosis? This podcast is for all in parents like you who know more is possible for your child. With each episode, we reveal a secret that empowers you to be the parent your child needs now, saving you time, energy, and money, and helping you focus on what truly matters most, your child. I'm Cass. And I'm Len. Welcome to Autism Parenting Secrets. Hello and welcome to Autism Parenting Secrets. We have a very special guest today, and you'll be so glad that you tuned into this episode. Our guest is the one and only Holly Robinson-Pete. She wears many hats. Uh, she's an actress, an author, talk show host, activist, philanthropist, and also, even more importantly, with her husband, NFL great Rodney Pete, they have four children, and one of those children is her 24-year-old son, RJ, who co-wrote with Holly the just-released children's picture book called Charlie Makes a Splash, and it celebrates the power of water for those who have autism, and it promotes awareness and acceptance about autism with other children. And we've long been inspired by Holly's leadership and how she's modeled how to be a powerful, determined mom to support her kids as they uniquely need to be supported. So uh, we had the honor of seeing Holly speak at the 2019 uh, TACA Autism Conference in Atlanta. And we also saw her husband later that year at the conference in Costa Mesa, California. We're big fans and we're really delighted to have Holly here live to share her perspective. And she has so many insights to share and we're just so looking forward to this conversation. So Holly, thank you so much for being here and for sharing your voice with our listeners. Well, thank you for having me. I'm very excited to have this conversation and thank you for that lovely intro. I know. And Holly, thank you. Like I mentioned previously, like, thank you so much for the light that you shined. And I know in what you share, there was a, what, the year of no or the never year, right? When you were told basically everything that RJ would not accomplish. We had a similar year, it felt like a year, it felt like longer for Rye. And this is where the power of the parent truly not listening to the naysayers and truly stepping in. Can you share a little bit more about that year and what that was like for you and how you just kept moving forward? Well, you know, what's interesting to me is that during that time, and as I was doing this radio tour this morning, just ironically, you know, you just look around and like little things. I have a very messy office, but that's another story for that's another podcast <laughs> altogether. But I was looking around and I saw this magazine and it was a cover of this magazine. I know you guys can't, but you guys can see it. And it was called Today's Child. It was an, a, a magazine about black parenting. And, and I looked at the picture of RJ and I realized that this was in 2000, which was the year that he was diagnosed. And he had already been diagnosed when we did this article, but we weren't ready to have a conversation about autism yet. Yeah. Rodney was 
just did not want to have the poster child for autism. Like he was not trying to label his son. I was kind of battling him to tell him that we needed to advocate because people needed to see themselves and in us. And so it was a lot of contention. I was looking at the cover of the picture and I was like, wow. And I posted on my Instagram day going, you know, this is a triggering picture because a lot of people think that we got the diagnosis and the next day we were on the Oprah show, we were saying, hey, you know, autism, blah, blah, blah. No, it took a few years for us to really process it. And I'm glad that Rodney came along and said, okay, I see the bigger picture and I want to advocate for other families and, and I'm on board. But it was, he he pushed back hard and that was tough. It was tough on our marriage. It was tough when we weren't on the same page. It was a lot of, lot of stuff going on. But to get to that never day, so when we got the diagnosis for autism in, uh, in 2000, I knew from when RJ was two I felt all of it. Like I could see, I was a rookie mom, had twins for the you know first time, but I could still see that he wasn't connecting with his sister. He wasn't making eye contact. They were just little things, no knowledge of what autism was. Uh, all I knew was something was not right in his development. For a whole year, my husband and my pediatrician were like, oh, he's a boy, he's a boy twin. He's slow, you know, you're not gonna develop. Don't compare him to his twin sister. But I knew to this day, you guys, he's he's almost 25 and I'm still kicking myself for that one year of intervention that I missed while everybody else dragged their feet. But that's neither here nor there. I um, have to get over that. It's time. But what I will say is the day he was diagnosed, we were told he would never do all kinds of things. And I was just thought, how sad to not give us more hope than that. Yeah. Um, and so we, we left there very hopeless. Um, you know, to fast forward a couple decades, one of the things that they said he would never have was meaningful employment. And now he's a clubby for the Los Angeles Dodgers and crushing it and has a wow. World Series ring with his name on it. Like you could not tell me back then that he I, I wish I could have said, no, he's not only going to have meaningful employment, but he's going to have a World Series ring. But by the way, I couldn't even fathom that in the moment. I was that devastated and kicked in the gut by this diagnosis. So I just want to say this for other parents that might be listening, that when you get this diagnosis, it can be really tough. I did not wake up the next morning and go, okay, I'm going to be the celebrity advocate. I woke up crying. So um, I say it's important because I think a lot of people think that that's the way it went, but it, it didn't. So what I would say was that, you know, you can never let anybody set any limits on your child. Will they end up you know, going RJ's trajectory, which by the way, he still has a lot of issues that he deals with at his age. Will they end up being verbal, nonverbal? Who knows? But there's so much hope out there now and so many resources. So hopefully there are no more pediatricians giving the never speeches that they're There's, giving they're still there yeah. they, they are, are still there, there. there. I'm, I'm, go, I'm calling them today because that's, <laughs> that is not the, okay let's share this conversation with them because that's where like all these parents i mean we had that never story and it did it didn't it's not like you've turned the switch in the next day i'm going after this because it's like you know you have to remember that yes the evaluation gives you a diagnosis and they put limitations on but let's be honest it's a guess it's not a prediction it's not you know telling you what that 
forward trajectory is. And this is where the power comes in the parent. Like, you know what? Let me embrace and support my child as they need to be supported, not worrying what this piece of paper dictates what my child's future will be. Well, I just don't understand the point in in, in sucking the hope out of the room. Right. I, I never understood that. I mean, you want to empower parents. I understand you want to keep it real or whatever, but you want to empower them and you want to give them that glimmer of hope. And that was in the end what I think pushed Rodney over the edge to say, okay, I'm on board with let's let's get out there and let's talk about it because he was mad. He was pissed off that they were telling him that this is an athlete all his life. He was a runner up for the Heisman Trophy in his mind, his his son, firstborn son is going to win that trophy for him. You know what I mean? So like he had all these expectations, which were way too. Well, oh, hey, hey, dad, I didn't win that, but I got now my World Series rings. Right. <laughs> hey, I got a ring before you did. So how about that? <laughs> but I mean, so these are the kind of things that you just can't imagine. Um, and I think that just comes from just never giving up and just continuing to shift your your beliefs and 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 building a team around your child that's the one thing that i think and that team may not be made up of family members cuz some of our family members didn't understand what autism even was um it can be a trusted friend it can be a you know a speech therapist that you got along with it can be someone in your church so when i look at team rj i think oh my gosh like he's built this group around him now this is before the dodgers job Now that he's on the Dodgers, he literally has a whole clubhouse full of friends where he did not have friends his entire childhood. So, I mean, these are the things you just can't predict. Um, But in the end, what it's all about is building a team around your child and and advocating and never giving up. You got to roll your sleeves up and go to go to work. But you knew early on that more was possible and you knew it and you acted on it. And. That's where you were the guide for your husband, right? Because you were showing him, I'm I'm going to dive in. I'm going to get curious. I'm going to try these. Because you had so many naysayers telling you, okay. And and again, I I know they're tr- they feel like they're doing something positive. They're trying to not let you get your hopes up, but it is so crushing. But you early on did have a spark to say, okay, I'm doing something. Someone said to me about the intervention window and just said, listen, you got to get this boy as much, you know, intervention as you can. And you got to do everything because that window of time is really small. And that was the the thing that triggered me. If you, you got to get out of denial, you got to be, you got to don't use that time up. It's a, you know, you're, you're in a hurry. You got to move. And so I think that's what helped me. But then I was like the energizer bunny and Rodney was just like, you know, slow poke Jones. Like he was walking way too slow, (laughs) doing too, just not doing enough. And I think he was just hoping that he was going to wake up and then RJ was going to snap out of this or that he could coach it out of him. Comes from a long football family of his father was a coach in the NFL. His brother's a coach in the NFL. Like it's all about coaching. And so he had a different journey. Um, and I'm so glad that he came around and was able to, to, to get on this team and help us. But, you know, I mean, yeah, you, I, I think I was kind of bluffing myself a little bit and I didn't necessarily see this big picture. I just knew that I had to move forward and I didn't want to stay stuck where, where he was. Um, and, but I, I, I was still sort of a traumatized, but I just kept moving forward. 
And then along the line, along the journey, I would see, you know, little glimmers of hope and little pearls of wisdom. And I'd meet this person, I'd find it out. So the community was really amazing the whole, the whole time. And I think those glimmers of hope and those little, little things that might be a look, it might be a glance. It might just be someone that you meet who gives you another shimmer of hope. And this is what, you know, I hope parents kind of take that and move forward from that because those little shimmers will actually help fuel you forward. And this is where, you know, finding out, finding those sparks can really help ignite that path because sometimes you will feel defeated. There will be bad days. There'll be awful days. There'll be awful weeks and months, but it's kind of like, like you said, you know, not deflating that hope and kind of what do you focus on and how do you focus on the bigger picture instead of like what's maybe not working. Right. And since we've been on this journey for, you know, he's a a grown man now, um, it's, really excited. I've, I've had to, because having conversations like this, just really sort of take myself back to those days. And it's, it's a little triggering, but again, it's really good because I'm able to see such a bigger picture and it allows me to have conversations with other parents, because just like we're talking now, I probably do this maybe three or four times a week. Sometimes it's parents I know through friends, or sometimes yep. it's just people on the internet that'll just randomly hit me on social media and be like, Oh, we just got the diagnosis. What do we do? And I feel obligated because I had no one to talk to in 2000. I mean, it just, what I, I don't know. I know that autism was pretty prevalent then, but people just didn't know how to formulate conversation around it yet. And so that, again, another reason why I felt like we, we needed to step into that place. Yeah. Which, you know, thank you for doing that. And it is, it's like, you, you know, it's interesting because when you do get a diagnosis and you, you know, might have family members who are trying to be helpful, but have no, you know, idea what it's like. You know, I remember getting advice from my dad from some man he met at the gas station. And I was like, thank you, <laughs> but, but. But by the way, I'm not mad at your dad for. for I, no, I'm not either. Get yeah. that, getting that yeah. info because I mean, that that's to me so much better than someone just like, okay, it's not. It doesn't exist or you could discipline it out of them like that. Those were the kind of things I would hear when I'm like, thank you, but I don't need to hear what you have to say because it's just not helpful. Um, But that was that was I want to say, you know, what's so interesting is like that's probably in all of our you guys said you saw us at the Taka conventions. But that's like the number one issue that I hear with autism families is like it's either my family doesn't get it and they don't understand how to process it, or they don't think it exists. They think I'm remaking it up or it's some made up thing. Or I know a family member, my niece or nephew is on the spectrum and my sister just will not. She just will not admit it or want to do. And I know that intervention window is closing. What do I do? There's still a lot of information out there that we have to get out and if according to you, they're still getting, parents are still getting those never diagnoses. Oh my goodness. I thought those days were over. No, yeah. unfortunately they're not, but this is where I just kind of keep sharing our stories and the voices and kind of just keep shining this light to what, you know, what is possible and how can you move forward is, you know, such, such an important thing to do. It's it's getting better slightly, but it's crazy how, how much things haven't changed in so many respects with so much more information, science, all these things that, you know, this conversation should be very different now, or it could be very different, but it's not. 
But again, it's thanks to people like you who go out there and 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 spread the message because otherwise, I mean, especially we feel like we started a long time ago. That was 2008. And wow. we felt like nothing, you know, that, that, that now is so much different now compared to then. But you go back even further where we can only imagine how few resources and how little understanding there really was around you. Yeah. And when I do like book signings and things and I'll meet someone who's a parent of like a 45 year old, I'm like, how in the heck did you do it? You know, because to me, 22, 23 years ago seems like forever. But I think you're right. In 2022, I feel like our conversation should be a little bit more evolved. And even when we were starting to um, to write Charlie Makes a Splash, we, you know, coming from my brother, Charlie, which is the companion book to Charlie Makes a Splash, which was told from my daughter's side, sort of sibling side, um, we knew we wanted to shift the narrative because one of the things that I have seen a lot of in the conversation about autism is that there's a lot of um, a young adults with autism that want to be heard from and they are tired of other people telling their stories. And my my son included, he, he wanted to be a co-author because we were going to redo the book again from Callie's you know, point of view. And I, re- and RJ was like, people are always talking about me. I want to talk for myself. Yeah. And I was like, whoa, okay, that's deep. Okay. I get it. You got it. And, and then we sort of talked about the narrative and then talking about water obviously was such an important thing because when RJ was three and he couldn't talk to anybody, when he got in that pool, he was a guppy. Like he was like, I mean, I've never seen anything like it. It freed him up and made him feel a certain way in his body. And so recapturing sort of those moments of when he was a little, little boy and and swimming was really powerful, really powerful um, conversation. So that to me, like, at least I feel like there is a shift in the conversation from when he was little uh, with the self-advocacy of a lot of these people who are now in their twenties who want to be heard from. And or don't want to be talked about or, you know, spoken of, but they want to be heard from. So I'm seeing that, which I think is very good. I really I I see that as a change and that's progress. And and I also love it that you're also getting a lot from non-speakers with autism too, where they're able to share their voice. We had J.B. Hanley on and he, you know, wrote the book with his son, Jamie. And it was like so beautiful to kind of hear it. You know, at 18, he was able to communicate with his family for the first time, which just to hear all that he had to share. And there are some parents that Len and I coach who have non-speakers who have now used other ways of communication with that, that, you know, 12 and 13 years old, they're just now able to communicate with their families in a way that they've never been able to before. And the voices, even with these non-speakers that have, are such important messages to share out. They're serious messages. Like yes. they, they come from a, a wisdom place of so intense and so deep. Like some of the things that even that RJ was able to sort of articulate um, from times when he was nonverbal yeah. are heavy. Like I remember when we did, uh, we were talking about, um, we were actually for our nonprofit, we were, you know, supporting this autism barbershop. And, and RJ, you know, said, oh, yeah, I remember I didn't like to get my, you know, my hair. I didn't like to go to the barbershop. And I said, RJ, what did it feel like when you when you were getting your hair, you know, the clippers? And he said, it felt like lion claws on my scalp. And I was like, wow, like it was so 
it's descriptive, you know, um, and even talking about being nonverbal, he now will talk and say it felt like having a ball stuck in my throat. And so like, these are the kind of things when you hear their voices and they're able to articulate um, through devices or just they're verbally able, capable of doing it. It's, it's deep, it's powerful. And it's something we need to pay attention to. Well, and I also think that the message that when we think our kids aren't necessarily paying attention or maybe they're not verbal at that time, they remember every stinking thing you said and did. So like our son, Rai, loves to tell us about this stuff, things, conversations we had before he was <laughs> speaking and you're like, oh no, please don't go there. Like, Yeah, right. Know? Yeah. Don't tell the family secrets. RJ <laughs> used to say that when he, I want to say when he was like 10 or 11, he was getting this award somewhere and. And he had a message to everybody just because we're not talking doesn't mean we can't hear you. Remember that. And, you know, watch how you talk about us around us. And we were all like, whoa, whoa, that's heavy. But I think the good the good news is that there is more advocacy, self-advocacy and more outlets for people on the spectrum to speak for themselves. And that is that's definitely different from from back in the day when RJ was little. So true. I was going to, there was one, yeah, I was just thinking about one little thing to it too. It's funny because so for our son, he really, he had birds and then he lost them. So he regressed around 13 months old. Uh And it's really funny. We had an aunt and uncle visit us maybe when he was like eight years old, who he hadn't seen since he was nine months old. And they walked in the house and Rise like, oh, I saw Cinderella at your house. Okay. He saw it at nine months old. He hadn't seen them in that time, but he already, and so he had gone through regression lost his words and all of these things, but then remembered. So this is where our kids are, you know, I think sometimes we discount what they're paying attention to and they pay attention to everything. And I think it's, you know, I, I, I'm assuming that if I asked him, like, what was it like inside mommy, he'd probably be (laughs) like very descriptive. Yeah. Well, I mean, I have the same, uh, similar stories. I mean, I think that's what makes our kids so special. And I think that's what's, you know, important about, you know, embracing their differences and sort of normalizing neurodiversity and accepting them for processing the world differently. Um, You know, I mean, I've had RJ, you know, just sort of recount things that I just, I didn't even know again that he was even paying attention to. And he also was starting to get his language and then went silent. So very similar stories. And, and I think what's so interesting watching him today being this clubby for the Dodgers. I mean, his brain is such that there's no, I mean, you can imagine when baseball and all the stats and he knows everybody's birth, all the players, birthdays, the front office, the, you know, the Dodger dog vendors. I mean, there's not anybody he doesn't know in this organization. We're talking about thousands of people. He has that kind of brain. If you tell them your birthday, he will come back and say, Lynn, your birthday is March 18th. I know it is. And then he'll never forget it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so um, he's got, he's, he's got, and they're not, I, I hesitate to call them superpowers, but I do, I do want us to start looking at people who think differently and process things differently as really having an edge. And it's just a matter of how we allow space for that. So, you know, I always say, you know, I I wouldn't change our for the world. He's the most amazing kid. And he's just, he's hilarious without even knowing how hilarious he is. And he's such a light in our life. And he's just 
purity and he's amazing, but I would always try to change the world for him and give and make the world a, a place that he can feel comfortable being himself. Um, when he comes home from working at the Dodgers and this kid, these clubbies are serious. They have serious hours. He has to drive home at two in the morning sometimes and it gets intense and, and, and all of that. And he has to come home and he has to stem on that trampoline for two hours. He has to jump to regulate his body because all day long he has tried to do everything perfectly and normally. And so these are things that I think people, when you don't have kids, you know, like ours, you don't really realize that. And then they become adults and they have to process the world as an adult. So, but the, can I just take a moment though, to say that what you two are doing in counseling parents and talking to parents, I mean, Rodney and I made it, we still here 28 years, but when I tell you, we could have used your help <laughs> all those years ago, I know you, you weren't in that space yet, but thank you for doing that work because there, there are very few outlets and resources. And I know this just from working with Holly Rod and trying to help parents as well, where you can go and have these conversations with people who really understand. So thank you for having those conversations because they're so important, especially coming from a husband and wife, because newsflash, men and women process things differently. <laughs> no, no, no doubt. And thank, true. <laughs> th- thank you for, for, for saying that. And yeah, we created the program. We wish we could have taken or had, because there's so much that you just don't know on, in terms of how to navigate and the dynamics between a parent, uh, between mom and dad is so different because they're both coming at it so differently. And when two parents can come together and get on the same page, like you and Rodney did now it took a, a while for that to happen, the sooner that can happen, oh my goodness, what a benefit to the child, right? Yes, it, and your family dynamic can soar. We had, you know, three three other kids. So it was like, you know, we have to get on the page with them. And so that if we're on the right same page and we're able to spread that across the family and that dynamic can become um, more productive and, and navigating the way his siblings, you know, um, support him and are always about him, but also have their own situations. And I missed a diagnosis of his twin sister of ADHD because I was so busy, you know, oiling that squeaky wheel, that squeaky autism wheel that I was like, oh, shoot, like she, oh, I didn't even see her mental health issues or her stuff. So that was a whole nother situation. But that's part of the comprehensive ways that autism can impact your family. And, um, but these aren't things that were articulated a lot back then. So we kind of had to white knuckle it through some of this. <laughs> and I asked for forgiveness for from my kids. I'm like, you guys, I, you know, as the mom, I did the best I could. And I know we all tend to, me too, you know, kind of blame our parents for, you know, well, the stuff that happened to us. Um, but we're just human beings trying to process it and learning as we go. Um, and I just am so proud of these kids because they've been able to um, become so compassionate um, because of what their brothers experienced. And that's, that's what I wanted. That's what I wanted in kids. I wanted compassionate kids that would go out and teach other kids how to do the same. Yeah, no, it's, it's so true. Our daughter was born two weeks after Rye was diagnosed and like, she grew up with like 
having her brother be very different. And now, you know, she's 14 and she's now, you know, she's volunteering in a theater group for younger kids where she's volunteering to support a child with autism who's participating in the group. And this is where I'm like, okay, you know, she's been raised in this and she now gets to kind of shine that light forward to help others because this is where, how can we just learn to truly come together and support you know, individuals who may be different, but still have as many gifts, even more gifts to share. Um, And that compassion piece is so important. And what you were sharing about RJ with stats and everything I was, and in the book too, it's like categorizing, you know, the different sea life and animals. I'm like, RJ and Rye would get along famously. And yeah, I just loved the detail that he goes into. Like it's, that's amazing. Yeah. And I think what was so cool about the book, and I'm so proud of how it came out. I think what's extra cool about it is that not only, you know, if you guys read it, um, you'll have a a natural connection to it because of your experience. But what is interesting to me are some of the parents who don't have any connection with autism that read it and are just fascinated by just all of the imagery and all of the metaphor, the metaphorical And then, of course, everybody can relate to water. We all love water. Our kids tend to gravitate to it in a different way and process it in a different way. But we all love it. And we we, we all have our issues or our experiences with it. But that's been the best part. And again, remember, we want this to be about acceptance. So we want kids to be able to learn acceptance early and their parents and their schools and all of that. So um, and then, of course, in the back, uh, the back matter was so important. It was so important to Scholastic to include that back matter. Um, and I'm so glad that they did. They really rode me on it because I was, you know, just giving some tips here and there. But I'm not, you know, I'm not a professional. I'm not an expert. I'm just a mom who's seen some stuff. Um, but they were really pulling it. No, no, no. You got to give more. You got to give more, more tips. And I'm just like, and then they said the magic words, what do you wish someone had told you? And then that's basically was the impetus. <clears throat> like you guys said, you created what you have based on what you didn't have uh, similarly. So I'm glad that people will read the book and love it. And it's a sweet children's book. And the, you know, the illustrations are out of this world, but um when you get to the back of that book, if you did get that diagnosis, you get some bonus book matter that I think is going to make a difference. I know it's amazing reference and all the detail and all that love that went into that, like an amazing. And I also love that RJ got to share his view on this too, in that back of the book. Now I thought that was amazing. Like you had a beautiful, the beautiful story and the metaphors there, but that reference guide truly in that back to help people really understand it better. I thought was, you know, really brilliant how that was done. Yes. Charlie makes a splash, I think is just different in that you do have both the story and some resources. And um, my brother, Charlie had similar stuff, but we really, stepped up the back matter um, area because we knew that even all these years later, there's still sometimes people really don't know how to access resources. So we're hopeful that that will, will be helpful. And again, I'm just so glad that we get to hear from RJ and hear his voice. That was really key. Now he won't, (laughs) he's funny because he's like, 
you know, when it comes to promoting the book, I went to New York last week and did a, a whole promotion to CBS this morning. And, you know, he loves to fly, you know, listen, he's my travel agent because he'll tell me which seats have <laughs> regular pitch. He knows the pitch of the seat. So I don't like to fly. I like to, I need space. So I'm like, RJ, uh, look at these flights. He goes, mom, no, that pitch, it only goes back 25% or whatever, 25 degree angle. Anyway, he's brilliant that way. But um, I was like, RJ, we're going to New York. We got this big hit on CBS and they really want you to come and, and, you know, I'll help you with your talking points. He's a little nervous in front of the camera. And, and um, he was like, oh, great, great. When is it? I was like, oh, it's going to be great. September 5th. He goes, nope, got the Padres. (laughs) (laughs) Got a home game. Now, if it were they were on the road, he could he could figure out a way to get out. But home games, no, no, ma'am, no, sir, non-negotiable. Nope, that's a deal breaker, and you are not getting away of his paycheck. This boy <laughs> has not spent a dime of the seven seasons of the Dodgers, and he's not a, he doesn't miss a paycheck. So, you know, I say that you know it's it's cute and it's a great story, but I mean, what a blessing! And I'm just so happy that the Dodgers have put forward that they're hiring inclusively because we need more of that. We need more, not just MLB teams, but more corporations. And we've been really fortunate enough to work with, uh, with Holly Run Foundation, with Cigna and CVS and Walgreens and um, uh, Outback Steakhouse to hire our kids. And it's just been amazing. So, so hopefully we'll get some more of that because as you see with RJ, He's not playing around with that job. He's going to be, he's making sure he's on time and clocking in when he's supposed to. And even a C- big TV CBS hit, he was like, mm, sorry. <laughs> and, by the way, this, and by the way, this radio talk, I said, RJ, I'm going to be up at 5 a.m. And I'm going to be, you want to sit with me and like maybe make a, he goes, what time? <laughs> it's like 5 a.m. He's like, no, I got to go to work at 10 and I need my rest and they're coming off the road. I mean, like he's, he does not play. So anyway, it's, it's, it's awesome. And I'm looking forward to continuing with our work with Holly Rod to help uh, other kids get these types of jobs because it has turned his world around. Right. No, I, I love that they do that. And I love, I've been, you know, watching, especially like the Instagrams that you share about his adventures there and just watching that is truly amazing. So you know, thank you for sharing that and thank him for sharing that. And if he ever wants to come and share his voice, we'll work around his schedule. And <laughs> right, right. We, right. Would, like, we would love to, we would I, be honored to have him share his voice here as well. Well, I would love that too. And I, and so, yes, we just have to check his schedule. Yeah. Yeah. But I'm, I'm game. We can go <laughs> and, and listen season. and don't dare schedule it in October. I mean, you would think the world ends in October and I'm just like, and every October I'm always in, out of town, out of the country, actually shooting my Hallmark Christmas movies. That's like my shoot time for those movies. Yeah. And I'm always on set during playoffs. It's so stressful because, you know, he takes it so seriously and he hasn't processed loss very well. And so that's been a little bit of a, a learning curve. But um, so, yeah, I'm like, oh, October, I'm headed back up to to, to Vancouver and here I go and on the set doing my lines and looking at my my MLB app to see if I'm going to get a call at two in the morning. It's going to be a good one or a bad one. So anyway, these are all great problems to have. And um, I'm I'm just extremely proud of him. Uh, And he's so conscientious because we've talked about that never day so many times that, you know, every now and then he'll, you know, he'll take a little zinger and go, 
wasn't supposed to ever work at a job like this, huh? I was like, nope. And uh, I think those are, it's important to share that story so other people can can see these situations and understand that the possibilities are there. No, so- no doubt. It's, it's such a powerful message. And the medium of the book, the children, it's such a great, unique medium to get this message out because you could have stuff posted on a website that people can go to, but you know, the finding that way, especially with him, it being his words, it's just so much more impactful. So we're super excited for the book. Uh, couldn't recommend it more. And uh, I know when reading it myself, all of it was so familiar. So it's not like there was so many new things, but I know I'm in a bubble. So for other people who autism is not a part of their world to be able to to get that perspective shift, which is, I think, both mm-hmm. your both of these books that you um, that you uh, put out have done, they really start to change how people look at it. And the sibling thing, we only touched on it, but that's a huge issue that just gets no attention. And which is the reason why we wrote my brother, Charlie, it was, it was his twin sister's idea to write that book. And, and, and so I kind of was excited about sort of going to the next, you know, chapter with, with, with Ryan, but I realized that it's, it really is really about RJ and once he was down to be a part of it, I was like, oh, sorry, Ryan. <laughs> but there's another book that's out there now also that um, didn't get a lot of shine called Same But Different Teen Life on the Autism um, Express. And I just want to, you know, pump that up because it is a great book about middle school life. And we we got we got hit with bullying. We got hit with all kinds of stuff. And it's a very quick, easy sort of middle school, maybe even younger read about autism that brings another type of awareness. Um, so definitely check out Same But Different Team Life, Team Life on the Autism Express. Nice. And we'll have links for all of these references in the show notes. So whoever's listening, we'll make it easy, make it easy for them. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah, as well as your husband's book, um, which I, I thought also was really, really useful from a dad's perspective. Uh, so that's not my boy. And again, the dad's conversation that road is something that gets even less press. So the more, yeah, I'm so proud of him. I mean, I did probably look, put a figurative gun to his head to write the book, (laughs) but let's just say he went along willingly and he's so glad he did. Cause I was like, honey, no one else. You're the big macho football player. Like your perspective is going to help so many people. And it's a phenomenal book. I, I love that book. I will say that when I read that book and you guys will understand, I was like, was I really that mean? Like he tells stories about how I was, when we were going through our more difficult headbutting marriage times, he, I mean, the way he sort of tells the story, he always couches it with, yeah, but I mean, I was a jerk. I deserved it. Yeah. But boy, the, I was like, did I have to be so mean? He was like, honey, you, you were just doing what had to be done. That's all. I was so cold blooded. I don't think I realized that at the time, but it is a beautiful book. Um, not my boy. Um, and I, I'm really proud of that as well. That's awesome. I, I think you and Cass both share the high energy and uh, yeah, you, you can interpret it however you want, particularly as the dad. But uh, but yeah, you, you'll do what's needed for your child. And uh, if it doesn't come wrapped in being phrased the right way or with the right tone, you know, or with the right look or the right look. There's so much of your dynamic guests that we can relate to, but, uh, <laughs> but all, all these are phenomenal resources. And, and I guess I'll just kind of end with talking about the comment about your child hearing everything, right. And absorbing it that we touched on earlier. It's even more true about the energy you're exuding. 
So that's why getting informed, getting on the same page and meeting your child where they are, if you can exude that energy differently, more positively, and as you talk about, Holly, with, from a hope perspective, you know, just really casting that energy, even more, they're going to feel that. So the sooner you can you know, respond in a powerful yet loving way, an accepting way, uh, the better. And your, these two books that, uh, the, particularly the children's books, help to really help somebody to get into that perspective, that frame of mind. Yes. And again, this is this is powerful information. I mean, meeting a child where they are, like these are not words that we even had to, we even used back then. We just were so busy just getting them to therapies and, you know, me fighting Rodney to just open up some of these books, you know, that I turnkey dog-eared and high lit and like, here, honey, it's all right here. But he just couldn't. And, 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 but that's exactly, uh, that's exactly right. And the energy, I mean, I could think about some of the energy that we put out while we were, we were doing this and how we were trying to process this, this whole thing. So these are great, like nuggets of knowledge that I think are so helpful to parents that are trying to process this right now. And so again, thank you for all of the, the uh, work that you're doing. Uh, It's such a, important, important uh, podcast and being able to um, help parents and, and come up with solutions. Because the parent is the key without yes. a doubt. Without yes. a doubt. Yes. Well, super. Well, we'll include in the show notes, the, the, the links, particularly to your, to your, um, to your not-for-profit hollyrod.org, um, which I know focuses on autism and Parkinson's, uh, which is, which is something um, that that's important uh, in terms of your family, uh, yes. that was inspired by your father. Yes. By my dad, who, who was such an amazing man. And the, the original Gordon on Sesame street, he started the show in 69 and, and introduced the world to big bird and Mr. Hooper. And, you know, you have to be kind of around my, in my, in your fifties to kind of remember him, but, uh, just an, uh, just an awesome man. Um, and went on to write and produce, um, so many great shows after that, Sanford and Son, the Jeffersons, the Waltons, the uh, Eight is Enough, like all these are old. Oh my God, shows. all my, oh my favorites. I'm like, I'm like, yes. <laughs> I know. So you understand all of those and, 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 and the Cosby show, which, you know, was an, an amazing show. We all know that. And so just, just, just really amazing guy. And then in his late forties was diagnosed with autism, uh, sorry, with Parkinson's and that really just got him this took him down and and we didn't know a lot then right we didn't have Muhammad Ali or Michael J Fox sort of to lead the way yet so there was not a lot of information about um Parkinson's then and I was 19 and a freshman in college and and trying to be a caregiver and a freshman it was a crazy time but the good news was Rodney had this you know when I ended up meeting and marrying Rodney Pete um I realized that you know gosh we had an opportunity to really share some of our um you know, resources and knowledge about Parkinson's. Um, we lost him in, uh, gosh, well, I, I was pregnant with my middle son. So 20 years ago, but my brother has Parkinson's now. So he's had it for about five, six years and he's boxing and exercising. Like he's not, he's always like, I, I you know, I'm not gonna, I'm gonna do everything I need to know. We know so much more now about how Parkinson's works and how exercise is so key. So um, just really glad that we were able to sort of 
you know, uh, process our own grief and situations and then use that into, um, I'm turning that into a message for others. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much for sharing that and for casting your light. And again, this has been a dynamite conversation. So again, we wish you the best with the book and with everything you're doing. And thanks so much for joining us today. You're so welcome. Thank you for the autism parenting secrets. I know everyone, I mean, we need we need those secrets. So thank you. For, it's a great conversation. I appreciate both of you and hope to see you soon. Absolutely. You too. Thank you, Holly, so much. You got it. Take care, guys. Want to discover your top autism parenting blind spot? Take our free quiz today. Go to allinparent.com slash go.